What's going on, traders? How we doing out there trying to end up stock market movers in the right way? Looking good, ready to get into the action today. We got a great show for you, like always. Two experts on today. Can't wait to go ahead and talk to Shana or Sixizzle, president of Banran Capital Management. We'll get into some alt investment talk and take a look, of course, at the Fed outlook. And then we got Chuck Lieberman, of course, at CIO and managing partner at Advisor Capital Management. Excited to take a look into the markets. He's talking about what we should be looking for, right? I'll be asking him questions like, is the market getting ahead of itself? That's at 145. We got a lot to talk about on today's tape. There was so many earnings reports like always coming in this morning. Oil catch a little bit of a spike. PayPal, the Lyft disaster. Adidas, how can that be affecting? And of course, we'll take a look at my swing trade on Tesla. Let's get it started. Welcome, stock market movers. I'm Money Mitch. Let's get right to the show. There are three ways to make a living in this business. Be first, be smarter, or cheat. I can't help you cheat, but I can give you the informational edge to help you succeed in the markets. Welcome to Stock Market Movers. All the market moving headlines and expert opinions every day. They say money is the oxygen of capitalism, and I want to breathe more than any man alive. All right, team. So now we're getting right to the show. A lot of what we're starting to get the question right. Did the market already discount that soft landing already? Is that why we're up so high, right? Well, we'll be talking about conversations like this coming up with our guests. But let's take a look into the market and see what we see right now. Oh, got to fix the background here. I got you guys. There we go. Stock market movers, of course. All right, let's take a look there on the SPY, where we're trading right now. You guys can see pretty much on the 15 minutes going up and down, but not really breaking to the upside, right? If the bulls were going to take re-control of this immediately right back up there, yeah, the bears would be running fast. But I think that now since you're seeing this sideways action, it doesn't necessarily mean that the SPY is just breaking down, right? It's not a crash by any means. But we're getting the pullbacks that is needed here for either two things. Either we're going to establish a kind of new low and start to drive back higher, or we're going to crack back into, of course, what we've been looking at on the SPY, which is, of course, into that channel. Do we go back to the channel? I've been talking about the 400 level and how important that 400 level is to us right now. I think that's where the stock market is moving towards. And one thing that gave me a little bit more in inclination that we were pulling back was when we started closing below the 9 EMA. Yesterday's closed below that 9 EMA and starting to drop. Does it mean that we can't push back to 420? Yes, we could. But one thing that we're going to be looking for is if we do get that pullback to 400, can the bulls put a wall there? Can we create a new support there? Something to definitely keep on watch, especially if you're thinking that this is the new bull market, right? Well, we want to see ourselves holding those levels, not going back into that channel. And of course, next week, we do get the all important CPI report. We'll see what happens on CPI report. Are people running away from that report? 
I do think that some people are thinking that it could come in a little bit hot. I think it'll just come in more in line and will continue on the path to getting inflation down. But how much will it slow down? That's what I'm trying to focus on is the speed of that inflation going down. Because I do think that inflation's peaked, but we got to continue to watch how fast it's doing so. All right, catching up with the chat. What's going on out there, guys? Say hello in the chat if you're new to the show. What's going on out there? Suit up, top half, bottom boxes, says SRT8. Hey, hey, hey. We wear pants in here. We wear pants in this family. Nah, man, I'm just looking good. You know, one thing is, I, I, I love wearing a suit. I could, I'd wear a suit every single day if I could. But, you know, some of us on our, our channel also are a little bit informal. I like to clean up. One thing I always say is, don't judge a man how he looks in his trousers. Judge a man how he looks in a suit, right? You got to be able to at least clean up. All right, let's get back to the action. We'll talk a little bit about what's going on. Let's take a look at some stocks and what's happening right now. I want to first go into oil. I talked about this this morning and also on live trading. Would we get a new 52-week high there for XOM and an all-time high, really? Well, look at that. Boom, baby. XOM through those levels right back up there towards 118.70 through that 117 today. And we opened up there at 116.19. Wasn't a bad outlook on XOM. Nice little push there. Of course, it's coming after Russia's news uh, this morning. Russia cutting output by 500 barrels per day. Hey, you guys can see it. It definitely helped XOM get that new lift. I was also looking at stocks like Oxy, was talking about it on live trading, that it looked good to recover the 65 and get that next step up. We did drive up there to 65, 66. Now pulled back to that 65 level again, 64, 96 hanging in there. We'll see how Oxy can keep pushing higher. This one's lagging a little bit of the action, so I'm keeping a close eye on Oxy. I think it can work its way back there to 66 today. We'll see what happens on that one. Chevron, just to take a look at one more oil name today, 172. We'll see if it gets back here through these levels to the left, 174.39. Starts making its way to 180 is one thing that I'd be looking for on Chevron. See if we're going to start making our ways to the highs again. We'll find out on these oil names. Definitely smash the like if you guys are enjoying the action out there today. Let's keep going to the move. And BP, good move, uh, great move for the week. Let's take a look at there. BP, yeah, nice little lift there. Definitely getting a nice little kind of rocket move up. That's not a bad move to definitely catch. We're going to be looking for pullbacks now. There is some resistance over here towards the 40, right? So we could pull right back below towards that 40. I'm going to be looking for 40s or 39, 80 area for pullbacks on BP. But this is definitely strong and helping some others move. Let's take a look at oil gas integrated I know I normally do this on what was hot and what was not, but since there's so many of here that looks really good right now, I think we got to point this out, right? Look at the daily chart here on oil gas integrated. Looks like it wants to take the next step up. Nice kind of like cup and handle starting to start pushing. Let's take a look at some of these names. Some of these might be smaller than others. I'm just going to really quickly go through them. Maybe you don't know some of these and we can catch a leader laggard style trade, right? The high cap name, of course, is going to be more of like XOM taking that step up, up Chevron taking that step up and oil integrated. TTE, 
Well, energy's taking a nice little push. BP pushing PBR. That one doesn't look too bad if it can get back above 12. We'll see what happens with these names, but definitely getting a nice little lift here. SU, Suncor Energy. Doesn't look too bad if it can get back above 35. We'll see what happens on some of these. Like always, I like to take a look at the rotation, right? And if I see a clear rotation showing the strength there, and definitely oil gas integrated driving a little bit higher today, we'll see what happens in those oil names. All right, let's keep going. We'll take a look at some other uh, catalysts, and then we'll get into our interview coming up at 115. We've got a couple of minutes left for that. Let's get into some of the leading earning stocks of the day. Of course, first one, the disaster of the day, which is, of course, Lyft. Don't know if you guys used Lyft in the last quarter. Let me know in the chat if you guys have used Lyft this year or any ride sharing for that uh, matter. Let's take a look at the Lyft's numbers here. Q4 EPS at a loss of 76 cents, missed the 13 cent estimate. Sales at 1.18, beat the 1.16 estimate, but just getting drilled here. A lot of this was also a look into the cost, what's going on. Some people were mentioning the R&D, a little bit expensive. Really, I mean, Lyft has been out of favor since the beginning, right? I mean, essentially, this hasn't really ripped back up. It got a nice little push here when it went back there towards the 65s, but really couldn't drive back towards those IPO days, right? And I think that that tells us a lot. A lot of these IPOs as of late haven't really done that well. I mean, for that fact, I mean, just look at also Uber. Uber is coming back, but since it's IPO, it's actually below the IPO. So I think this is something to keep in mind. I do think that Uber is best of breed, so maybe you'll see Uber get bought up in the long run. We'll see if Lyft kind of fades out. I mean, that loss, definitely not what you wanted to see. And now it's looking like it wants to come back for those lows. 966 on the low there of December 28th. We'll look to see if we take that out. Next stop, I would say 10. But of course, there's going to be some overhead supply now on Lyft. Any pops, I think you're going to start seeing investors try to get out. We'll see what happens there on Lyft. I do want to talk about one more here. Let's go to PayPal and talk about their earnings. They had Q4 EPS at $1.24, beat the $1.20 estimate. Sales at $7.38, missed the $7.39 billion estimate. Now, I did see on their guidance forward, it didn't seem too bad there. Pretty much in line with everything here. Uh, they did say that their fiscal year 23 share repurchases of 75% of their free cash flow. Um, so something to definitely keep in mind. Not a bad move there on PayPal today. Got that up and down move similar to how it was when it was reacting to the earnings. Kind of making up its mind, right? I think right now a lot of stocks are kind of battling right now that growth and value outlook right there. You can see Square, though, starting to push. That's why I was going to keep an eye on kind of both of these. I want to see if they start really getting the lift. Uh, PayPal is very similar. If it can start getting back above, let's say 82, it won't be looking too bad towards the 85 and 90s. But this has made a nice run in January and pulled back, right? I mean, it seems like it's not a bad pullback here, uh, especially from the highs. Maybe you're looking at it on that uh, December 30th date, or you can go a little lower. 50% retracement puts us somewhere in the 80s or 79 handle. So as long as we can hold there, that doesn't look too bad. We'll look to see if we get back towards the 85s of course paypal has been out of favor for a very long time i mean this stock really got into kind of that bear market in 21 right we'll see if this finally turns around people have been trying to call the bottom on paypal for a very long time in my eyes i think you just look at monthly levels right 
Can you get back above 100? I don't want to be too early to a falling knife, but this is actually a little bit sleepy. Has been going sideways for about nine months. If it can just get out of the 90 area towards the 100, it won't be looking too bad. All right, out of PayPal Outlook, we'll take a look back into the market and get into our interview right now. You guys can see we're starting to get a little bit of a bounce. Where we failed was really the 408 area earlier today. We started going sideways there. And for the Qs, it was the 301 area earlier. We'll look to see if we can get above that 301. You can see how this wick there on that 301, we went to 301.50, but then closing that candle at 365. Can we get a a 15-minute candle close above 301? We'll look to see if that helps start getting a little bit of a push-up, especially going towards the close. All right, there's a lot to talk about. I can get into the markets all day, but like always, want to go ahead and get to the expert opinions to keep you in the informational edge out there, team. So let's go ahead. We're going to get to our interview today. You guys smash the like and let me know in the chat. Are some of you guys working on your portfolios? Because this next interview is just for you guys out there. Smash the like. Let's get to it. All right, I'm joined by Shayna Orsic Sissel. Welcome back on. It's good to have you on. Good to be back. I heard that you were enjoying your time in the exchange ETF. I even dogs allowed? I mean, come on. They you... had a puppy lounge. I didn't know I needed that, but apparently I do. And uh, you know, I think every we conference all... needs to have that. I think we uh, all need some puppy lounge. Time. You can tell I've returned from Miami to Chicago because I'm throwing the turtlenecks on because it's freezing. Yeah. I'll tell you what, I'm I'm enjoying the 65, 70s where I'm at. So I'm gonna take it when I can get it. <laughs> Let's get into that topic that you you brought up at the exchange ETF, which was how alternatives and all ETFs can really complement an existing 60-40 portfolio. Talk to us about this. Yeah, absolutely. So as you know, and some others know, I did the official launch for my firm Bonrian down at Exchange. And we are sort of all things alternative. We help advisors and investors kind of bridge the gap between the public and private offerings in the alternative space. And what a lot of people don't realize is there are a lot of alternative ETFs and mutual funds out there that can really add value to your portfolio. So that is my bread and butter. That is where my passion lies. And so I do, in fact, have uh, a portfolio that I manage for advisors, which is a uh, group of ETFs and mutual funds. It's all alternative. And it's really a focus on being able to add returns while lowering uh, overall correlations in the portfolio and really providing diversity. And that has done really well. In 2022, uh, it killed it. Um, my, my portfolio was up over uh, 20%. And so the focus here, of course, is when you look at current market conditions, do you feel confident that we're about to uh, go into the next strong bull market? And I don't know about you, but I certainly don't believe that. So I am uh, focused on being able to provide, you know, that diverse diversification in portfolios. Some of the ETFs that I use uh, are BTAL, which you and I have talked about extensively. Mm -hmm. uh, that's an equity market neutral, long, low vol, short, high vol 
that's a factor that has a persistent relationship uh, between the two over time. That fund has done quite well. I also use a fund FMF, which is managed futures. It's a great first trust product, really strong managed futures product, trying to take advantage of some of the volatility in the um, oil, energy, those commodity markets. That's a great fund for that kind of exposure. Um, I use a fund called MRSK. This is a hedge equity fund, and I recently added it because I believe that while we're going to have some volatility and some down days on the market, the overall trend will be up uh, because I think more and more it's becoming apparent that the economy is much more resilient than many thought, including myself, and the Fed's actions may not actually result in a hard landing. Uh, and if we have a recession at all, it will be very, very weak. So I'm trying to think about ways that I can get a little more equity exposure. So MRSK is how I'm doing it. And then there's two mutual funds in there too. Just to be honest, not all alternative strategies can be done in an ETF because of transparency and just pricing. So I use a uh, mutual fund, um, Brandywine Alternative Credit, and I use the AQR Global Macro Opportunities Fund as well. And those two also have low correlation to equities and fixed income, done quite well. In combination, this portfolio has done excellent through uh, the last 18 months. And so, you know, really focusing on being able to bring different ideas to the table. And a lot of people, like I said, don't realize that you can actually get hedge fund-like exposure and hedge fund-like strategies in ETF and mutual fund form. Now, one question that I wanted to ask you, especially since this is more your expertise, is how should young investors maybe different than their amounts of alternatives in their portfolios and let's say an older investor that's near retirement? So it's really interesting because unlike equity and fixed income, I actually don't think you make an adjustment on your allocation to alternatives, no matter what your age is. Uh, okay. The benefits are there and it actually complements whatever you're doing in your traditional um, allocations. So 20% is an absolute minimum, uh, maximum allocation of about 30%. Uh, anything more than that, uh, it's not offering the diversification benefits and it actually could start to um, chip away at your returns because the alternative portfolio allows you to take risk in your other portfolios. So you can have riskier higher opportunity for excess return options in your equities because this alternative portfolio is really helping to mitigate volatility and diversify away that risk from the overall portfolio. So, you know, in my opinion, everybody should have at least 20%. Love it. Let's get into the side of real estate. Of course, uh, it mm -hmm. seems like it just hangs in there. It's not coming down. Of course, the low supply might be a help to this. But do you expect to see maybe the housing prices falling or getting into some kind of housing recession? It's interesting because I think it's a good point. Um, there's very little supply. We don't have nearly enough supply uh, to meet demand. And as long as that is the case, uh, it's going to be really hard to have any sort of major downturn in the housing market because, quite frankly, most people who own homes right now have locked in very low mortgage rates. They're not in any big rush to sell because they'll have to buy at a higher rate. 
So the majority of people that are selling are either because they have to, because of a job relocation, because they're downsizing, because there's been a death in the family, a number of different reasons, but not opportunistically. So then it comes to, you know, where's increasing supply? How are the home builders? Are they adding to supply? Is there new builds coming on? And we're not seeing that at all. In fact, I would say that most home builders have PTSD from the financial crisis, and they are not inclined to add any more uh, to the supply unless they know that they have somebody on the other side that's ready to buy it. So there's not a lot of building going on. That has been a persistent trend. There's not a lot of incentives for home builders to buy, uh, to build new homes. Yeah. And so this problem we have is going to be, you know, long term. Uh, I don't know what the solution is, but I can tell you that, you know, existing home sales, not a lot of incentive to sell because you're locked into ridiculously mo low mortgage rates. And, uh, you know, there's always going to be demand for housing. So as long as this weird um, relationship consists, uh, persists, I can't see anything that would cause a major downturn in um, home prices at all. Definitely. Now let's get into a little bit more of what about the Fed and the market? I heard you recently call it a game of chicken, whether the Fed would cut this year or not. Do we finally get that famous pivot this year? What I do don't think? think we do. No, I don't. Nope. The economic data is too strong. As long as the employment market is as strong as it is, and I, I see no signs of that changing, there is a lack of um, labor participation. I've seen a lot of people move out of the labor markets. A lot of people retired. A lot of people starting their own businesses. There is, There's just low uh, labor force participation. The number of people in the labor force has declined significantly. And as long as that's the case, you're going to have more jobs than people who need them. And so you'll have strength in the job market. We had a blockbuster employment report recently. Nobody saw it coming, but it just talks about this, this stickiness in the labor market, which is going to cause wages to go up, which is going to keep inflation high, which means the Fed's going to have to stay hawkish. You have China reopening. That is inflationary. There's nothing to give me any reason to believe that uh, short of an unexpected geopolitical event, um, that the economy is going to turn to a point where the Fed feels it necessary to cut rates at all. I, I can see them pausing if they start to see some weakness. But there's no scenario short of an unexpected geopolitical event. I can see the Fed cutting rates in 2023. Yeah, I think we got a little hint on that from Jerome, right? I mean, he mm -hmm. kind of told us in that last talk that definitely he didn't see the inflation getting to 2% this year, if anything, next year. So I don't see them cutting. And they keep saying changing up a little bit of that language. One of the recent ones, of course, it was the sustained at 2%. Mm -hmm. So we'll see if we get to sustain 2%, well, right? They've, they've been saying sustain 2% and the market just hasn't listened. That's yeah. not new language. They've been saying sustained, maybe not sustained 2%, but they've said sustained inflation sustained mm -hmm. at a lower level. And we're not seeing that. And now we have other inflationary pressures. The Atlanta Fed just put out a report saying that wage growth is up 6%. Like that is not a good sign for inflation. China yeah. reopening is not a good sign for inflation. Russia reducing the output of oil not good for inflation. All of these things are not going to be helpful. And the Fed can only do so much, but what they won't be doing is cutting rates, in my opinion. 
anytime soon. Uh, like I said, short of some unexpected black swan geopolitical event, I cannot foresee any situation where they would have any reason to cut rates. Interesting there. And of course, uh, we've been seeing at least we saw the Russia cut this morning. Do you mm -hmm. see any ex expectation of inflation coming back in maybe commodities into the oil game? It seems like, uh, you know, we can't get into the 60s. Definitely with crude. It, it just seems to bottom out there around the 70s right now. Mm -hmm. And then you got Goldman Sachs calling 200 by the end of the year. Where do you see it? It's crazy. I, I actually do see oil prices um, going up. Uh, you're seeing it in the market today. Um, you know, crude prices are yeah. uh, moving to the upside after seeing uh, some weakness for the last couple of weeks. Uh, I think that that's going to continue. And it's so funny to me when you're like oil at a hundred, like during like the financial crisis, oil was like 120. So yeah. we're still well below like what highs we've seen in the past, and that's just shows this shift we're moving away from oil dependence and you're seeing some shift into other types of ways in which we can power you know vehicles and the like and even though it's only a small shift it is making a difference just in overall demand um but the truth of the matter is we still have a real need for these things they are going to have to pick up um as much as we can and supply somehow and you know oil prices will kind of react to that but i do see oil prices going up um you know in the next few months maybe not to a hundred dollars uh i don't know if i i see that but definitely see oil prices rising yeah, definitely could be signs of concerns for inflation coming forward. Now, I know that you've been looking at some tech names, right? And seeing some opportunities out there. Let's talk a little bit about that. We've definitely gotten a recent rally in tech and you can see it definitely when you're looking at the sectors relative mm -hmm. in like the year, right? And you can see the transition. It went to technology, consumer cyclical, those high beta names and the tech names. What do you see for opportunities out there? So I think tech had a bit of like a technical correction that was going on. I, I heard somebody refer to it as algorithmic short covering. I think mm -hmm. there's some truth to that. I think that's why you're starting to see some weakness there today. Um, but at the end of the day, while I don't necessarily see growth outperforming value going forward, I do think that there is some opportunity in tech because the long-term uh, viewpoint for a lot of technology stocks is incredibly bullish. There's a lot of tailwind to this, their businesses. You know, as we move more to AI, as we more move more to EV, you know, um, these types of technologies and their inputs are going to be increasingly important. So long-term tailwinds, short-term headwinds. So I'm taking this opportunity to look at names that I have always wanted to buy, but didn't because they were expensive. So NVIDIA is a name that I've been following essentially my entire career. It's had a bit of a bounce. I did buy some personally before the bounce. So um, I feel like I lucked out a little bit there, but that's a name that on some weakness, I would continue to add to that position. Apple is a name that under 130, again, I would absolutely be a buyer um, because again, long-term tailwinds, short-term headwinds. Um, there's some concern over, you know, China and how that impacts Apple. But those are two names I really like. Marvell Technologies is another one. It's in the chip space. Um, great long-term um, you know, view there, uh, short-term headwinds. They've had problems with inventory and meeting demand. But I guess if I'm going to buy a stock, 
if having the problem of having too much demand and not enough supply is a problem, that's a good problem in my opinion. So I'll take advantage of that every day of the week. Definitely. Like I've been trying to say with some of these, especially for investors out there, we might have to look at the short-term pain for the long-term gain, right? Mm -hmm. We'll see what happens there. Uh, let's take a look at the last question that I want to talk about, which is really kind of more of an interesting question. I wanted to take a look in how you look into alternative, maybe investing into collectibles, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, I don't know if you've heard of opportunities like Rally out there that's a, a platform for collectible assets. I've been taking a look at things like this. Just different opportunities, right? We have different opportunities right now, especially than the market with mm -hmm. interest rates rising. What do you see out there? So it's really interesting with collectibles. I always work with folks to figure out what they're passionate about because that really like speaks to like personal passion, right? So if you're okay with illiquidity, because collectibles are incredibly illiquid, so it's got to be more of a passion play because most people are not going to be okay with the type of illiquidity you have in these collectible markets. Now, I know there's talk about tokenization. I know there's new and interesting ways, but at the end of the day, your ability to generate any sort of return on something you invest in really is based on whether or not there's a buyer when you're ready to sell. So regardless of the form, it's is there a buyer and collectibles tend to be more difficult to you know match buyers and sellers and so it's much harder to sell like on a whim uh but i think collectibles can be quite interesting particularly as finding things that people are passionate about because the long-term opportunity the long-term chance for excess returns is quite good because there's scarcity uh, and things tend to gain in value when there's a scarcity aspect to it. So in the past, I've looked at things like music rights, wine, cars. One of my favorite funds I ever kind of worked on was a violin collectible fund. These things exist and there are more and more ways that it's becoming easier to access these things. But I can't stress enough. You got to be OK with illiquidity no matter what form these come in. It's always going to be a less liquid investment. And so if you are one of those people that might panic and want to get your money out right away, you have to know that these are not uh, the type of investment you'll be able to do that with. Love it. Hey, at the end of the day, we all need exposures, different ways to diversify and, and give I, ourselves a little bit of return, right? I, mean, I always say that there's alpha and illiquidity. So mm -hmm. if you're willing to do it, there's a real opportunity there. Love it. Well, definitely. We touched all different parts today from the 6040 portfolio to the Fed and some tech opportunities. You guys check them out and definitely keep up with Shana Sissel. You guys can follow her on Twitter. Definitely a great follow. And we'll have you back. Appreciate awesome. you coming on today. Thanks for having right. me again. Like awesome. Like always, team, let's get back to the action. Will the spy come back? I was looking, I was trying to peek a little bit to see if we were going to actually go through that 408. And what do you know it? Look, look what happened to that 408. Let's take a look. 408, 408, 14, and we close right back down, 407.55. That's such an important level right now. It just seems like we're just fighting, 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 trying to get back there. If you look on the hourly chart, you can look to the left. You can see how we're just not being able to really get back through that 408 right now. Another thing that I can clearly see is that we kind of cracked from this 410 area and starting to hold around that area as resistance. We need to see if we're going to make our way towards this low here, this 404 by the end of the day. 
I think that's definitely what you want to look out for. If you're the bull, if you crack through that 404, you could be going to the 400. And I'm more speaking, of course, to the day traders out there that keep an eye on what happens. All right, we'll see what else is going on. Hey, you guys liking the suit? Let's go to it. Let's get to the action. We got a lot more to talk about. We also got another expert that will be joining us in just a few minutes. At 145, we got Chuck Lieberman. Excited to keep talking about what's going on in the markets. But let's get back to the headlines. And, of course, everybody's favorite time. What was hot and what was not? Let's get back to it. Let's take a look at the sector rotation on the day. We talked already about energy, right? That's all 2.01%. Not a bad day there for some of those energy names. Utilities getting a little bit of a bounce back today. Take a look at the daily chart as you're starting to bounce back. I think this is also an opportunity because I have a feeling these utilities could still fade. Um, but you can see XLU bouncing back also. We'll see what happens on names like Duke. They are getting a little bit of a bounce back. I think the 100 could hold as resistance here though. So if you do get a bounce into the 100, see if you get to the 101s or twos. If not, I could see it rejecting that 100 and coming right back down. All right, defensives also getting a little bit of a lift today. This is an area that I wanted to go looking because like always, one thing that we keep in mind as traders, right? We start thinking, is this a growth trade? Is this a value trade? Are we rotating back? What's going on? What's looking underneath the hood? Let's get to the action. Defensives, of course, is going to bring up more of those what? Those value style names, right? So let's talk about what are we seeing here? Well, if I look at some of the capitalization leading the defensive area, I can clearly see what Walmart up good. So that's one area that I would take a look at. Will Walmart come back towards the 150? That actually makes me think a little bit of Target. But I'm a little bit concerned because what about recession concerns with Target, right? We got our way back into this kind of uh, gap space, but can we actually clear that gap? We've filled plenty of gaps, so I have not taken this one off my eye since all the way in January 26th, 23rd. So I, I've been looking for this one for a while. I watched this gap beforehand, and I'm looking for it to get to the 200, but it really needs to get back above 185. We're going to look to see if it holds around 165 and continues the upside action. Now, stocks that have been hit lately that could be starting to bounce back in household personal products. Was taking a look at it like a PG, right? A Clorox type of stock, right? Will this start coming back? Colgate Palm Olive starting to come back today. Looks like the value trade got bought up today. And I think this is something that we need to keep in mind. I know that there's growth traders out there. I know that you guys are trying to run with the bull market, but I also don't want to miss the rotation to value. And it looks like we're getting some of that today. You guys can see that also. I'm going to take a look at like, let's say grocery stores getting a lift today. Kroger's with a nice little uplift move. This doesn't look too bad. Nice bottoming action in Kroger. Can we start making our way back there towards the 50? What about ACI? Hmm. What about ACI? Is this one that the merger is going to go through and we have some arbitrage? Might have to ask my man, Dennis Dick about what he thinks about ACI. I think he took some. I'm going to ask him tomorrow on, of course, pre-market prep. Don't miss that team. Casey's been really strong. SFM, right? Sprouts Farmers Market. Doesn't look too bad. We'll see if it takes out the highs. 33 is going to be very important there on that chart.
Now let's go to the uh, packaged foods area. This is where I wanted to also kind of pay attention to because I'm looking at a Kraft Heinz move this morning. I was looking at it to cut down through 39 and I was going to grab it, but it didn't even give me that opportunity. I was looking for that value style trade. I'll put this a little bit bigger so you guys can see this out the gates. It went up there towards that 39.11. I was looking for the pullback to the VWAP below 39s towards that 38.90s. Uh, I was going to grab it, but it just took off there. Now it's continuing that takeoff. I'm going to continue to watch this one to see if we get a pullback. But look at that push there towards the 39.75. We'll see if this actually starts bouncing back. I'm going to keep these on watch. They've been flush for a while now and starting to get the bounce back. General Mills was really strong, pulled back. Now we'll look to see if it starts making its way. You can see 75 bottoming around there. HRL, you got Kellogg's right there. Let's see if Kellogg's goes green on the day. SJM, JM Smuckers making its way back. We'll see what happens to these Cognera brands. Doesn't look too bad off the 35 area to start making its way back after a nice little recent breakout. These are all opportunities I feel like we just got to keep on watch to see what happens there. Clorox also pulling back here. It did do an earnings gap, could push right back up. So we'll see what happens in those value trades. Uh, all right, let's keep going. What are the ones being mentioned? You're coming to live trading? You do it, Kenneth. Come to live trading, man. Whenever you want, you're free to come. All right, let's keep taking a look at what else is being mentioned in the chat. You got me. Was watching on the TV, but the tie reference, Mitch, hey, always got to clean up. Always got to clean up. Every every man got to be able to clean up and look good in a suit, right? All right, let's keep going. Uh, we looked at some defensives. We can keep looking at that. Discount stores are also interesting. We talked about Walmart and Target. What about Costco? Hmm, what about Costco? I think you got to keep watching to see if this 200 holds. If this 200 uh Moving average holds, then it can make its way back up. We'll see what happens there. In, of course, discount stores. All right, what got hit today hard? Well, what has led us in the last week, right? I do this often. I go to Finviz. I know that you guys can use this resource. Um, the only reason I use this one is because they have easy groups right here. Just go to the group section. Go to the one-month relative performance. And what do you see? You see technology and consumer cyclical leading us. But what is happening right now? Well, you see technology and consumer cyclical leading the downside action. That shows us the rotation away from those names and that they're going somewhere else. All things that we need to keep in mind, right? We'll see what happens now as the rotation goes away. And how did this rotation start? It all started on that Google, Danny. So you could see Google really kind of started this destruction about two days ago. When you started getting cut down on that Tuesday, uh, it was Wednesday. And then what was that? That was the barred AI, right? And then AI started breaking down. I've talked about this AI. I talked about how 28 seemed like a really good number to short on, the, on that chart. It's already down to 22. We'll see what happens on AI. If it can come back down there towards, let's say, $15 or something like that. But it's definitely breaking down. And this AI trade has gone away. All the lift that Microsoft got on it. What will happen now? Microsoft rejecting the 270. That's going to be so vital. If Microsoft could get back above 270 team, I'm going to be looking at this more in a bullish sense. But if it can't get through that 270, I'll keep stealing. I'll stay in the bear camp 
back down towards the 230s. We'll see what happens there in Microsoft. Google Skynetted itself. Yeah, definitely Hot Dog Jones. Google did a Skynet, that's for sure. All right, uh, Jay Rice saying semis in NVIDIA was way overextended. Let's see, let's see, right? I, I was also looking at that, right? You guys can see here, I use my RSI a lot of the time to tell me if it was that extreme. And if anything, what did we start seeing on NVIDIA's RSI, right? So this is a little bit more technical analysis, but I don't mind bringing it here. And so one of the things that you're looking for a lot of the times on RSI, right, is you're looking for what? Positive confirmation, negative divergence, right? So when stock prices go up, we want to see that RSI move up, right? But when stock prices go up and the RSI goes down, that's a sign of concern. Yesterday on Wednesday's action, that's when you really started seeing the RSI go from 79.98.94 to 76.86. Very important sign to catch. That's what we'll be looking for. That's what tells you signs of reversal. And it's never going to be guaranteed. I'll tell you that much. It's just more signs of reversal. Another thing to look for is like always, I look for extremes. So when does NVIDIA get to extremes? It gets to extremes when it gets up there into the 90s. It didn't even make it up there this time. It got up there towards 80 RSI and wasn't able to continue. So it still had room that it could have pushed a little bit. But then when you start seeing that negative divergence from the RSI indicator and the price action, that's when you got to really pay attention. All right, let's keep going. We'll take a look at what else is making moves. NVIDIA was an interesting one. I could see that one pulling back to the 200 area. We'll see if it can continue coming down. All right, let's take a look at the, some of those technology names that have been turning around. Of course, our leadership in the red today, Google breaking down. I wanted to see if Google was going to recover 96 today. That was an important level. I even was long at one point at the 9570s, stopped out at the 9564, really, really small loss, was looking for this to kind of push back. It didn't want to do it, team. Didn't want to push back. TSM pulling back a little bit. We'll see what happens on names like that. Meta is one that I'm a little upset I didn't I didn't tackle. This is a gap that I could see filling right back down. That's a gap right back towards 153. It looked good for the uh, down gap move. I could have gone off the 186 yesterday. Didn't take that Meta. And boy, it's down to 175. Doesn't look too bad for that gap fill type of opportunity we'll see what happens on the meta consumer cyclical coming down there what's there mm, the tesla the tesla dragon team all right i'm going to take my numbers away from this you guys know i've been short on tesla since yesterday swing trading this short side have taken profits multiple times already today took profits in at first uh, on Tesla, we took off of the 196.66 and then off the 194.94, so close to that 195. I'll look to see if I can get towards the 190 for the next opportunity to take profits. And then from there, I'm going to be looking for the 38, 38.6% uh, retracement, right? You, can, you guys can do this too, right? Just use a retracement tool sometimes. That's what I like doing. I'll take a look at that high, right? First 23% uh, percent back towards that 189, 190 area. And then the 38.2 is closer towards that 170 area. 
I'll look to see if we can at least get to 175 and I could take those profits. Tesla has been a big runner. We'll look to see if it turns around. An important thing also to look for me on Tesla will be if we can close below the 9 EMA, 189.72, showing that we're starting to break that trend and not holding it. Right now, I'm break even on the rest. So even if this does squeeze back there, it doesn't matter to me because I'll break even on the rest of it. And that's a 211.31. We'll see what happens there on the Tesla Dragon. It's a tough one. It's a tough one, team. Another thing to me on Tesla that we started seeing what? It went to the extreme RSI up there towards the 90s and now giving me positive confirmation on the turnaround from the price action and the RSI. We'll see what happens if that can continue to give me positive confirmation. All right. I also saw Baba turning around. I've been talking about this, that China kind of led some of this rally up. Will China lead some of this rally down? I think that's something that we all need to be asking ourselves. I know I've been keeping an eye on like stocks like PDD, Baidu, right? JD, they're turning around a little bit. Now I got to see if they're going to come to take out those lows, right? I'll keep an eye on a stock, especially like Baba that came from like 62 up there to 120, 100% gainer. Look to see if it cuts through that 100 price point. All right, getting out of Baba and what was hot and what was not. I could talk sector and industries all day, but I want to get you guys over to my next guest. Let's go ahead and bring down the charts, bring down what was hot and what was not, and let's go ahead and talk all about this recent rally. Is the market getting ahead of itself? Let's ask Chuck and see what he has to think. All right, Chuck Lieberman, CIO, Managing Partner at Advisors Capital Management. Welcome back on, Chuck. Uh, nice seeing you again, Mitch. It's always great to have you on. And of course, you know, there's, there's a lot of talk right now, right? There's always going to be noise in the market. And I think what's really important is trying to keep ourselves not too bullish, not too bearish, right? Somewhere in between, right? But right now, it seems like this rally is really pushing is this market getting ahead of itself? Well, I think the views on the economy are getting ahead of the Fed. And that's why the market is doing what it's doing, uh, both in the stock market and the bond market. The stock market thinks that the Fed is not too far from the top in rates. And so we've got a curve that's pretty inverted. Uh, and that indicates that the market expects the Fed to actually lower interest rates in the mm. second half of this year after a couple of hikes in the next uh, couple of meetings. And I think that just doesn't make any sense, but that's how the market is priced. And that's also how the market is behaving with rates likely to peak and come down. People are kind of bullish in the stock market. And so that's being reflected in some strength there. Excellent. I think it's a great question to just go right to it. It was going to be my last one, but let's bring it to you. Uh, markets keep showing a rate cut this year. What scenario would need to happen for the Fed to truly pivot? Well, there are two possibilities. Uh, the less favorable one is a recession. Uh, if the economy falls off the edge of a cliff and goes into a recession, and if a recession comes, I think it's likely to be mild. But nonetheless, if there is a recession coming, 
That would be one justification for the Fed to lower rates. The other is that inflation comes down, the immaculate disinflation. Uh, and if that happens, then the argument is that the Fed doesn't have to keep on raising rates. They could allow rates to come back down. And again, you get lower rates. So those are the two conditions under which the Fed might pivot. And I see neither one of them on the horizon. Now, of course, uh, something to think about is, are you in the camp of the soft landing narrative? I remember about six months ago, majority of them were nowhere near this camp. Are you in that camp now? Well, I keep on pushing my forecast of a recession further out into the future. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't see a recession on the horizon. The economy has too much momentum. And so the question is, what happens then with policy? Um, I'm concerned that if inflation doesn't come down much, and that's a key item for us to talk about, because yeah. I don't see it coming down enough. So if inflation doesn't come down and the Fed raises rates a couple more times, which I think is pretty much locked in, and then pauses, which I think is also locked in, but then inflation doesn't come down, what happens then? And I think uh, it's more likely than not that the Fed has to raise rates some more. And so sooner or later, I think the Fed causes a recession, but I just don't think it happens anytime soon. Yeah, I mean, we, we've seen it, right? I mean, just look at the labor market. How resilient has the labor market been? You saw that Kraken report last week. I mean, I didn't think anybody expected that. And I keep hearing it, but the, the tech layoffs, the tech layoffs, they're finding jobs somehow. Well, you know, what, what we've seen from a number of companies is that they are delighted that the tech industry is slowing down and laying some people off because for the first time, companies in other industries can get the tech personnel that they need. You know, if you're competing with the Microsofts and the Googles and the Apples, uh, good luck trying to hire tech workers at yeah. least until recently. So now they can finally start to hire and the financial industry and, and many other industries need those kind of people. Uh, search, uh, not search, uh, uh, protection, uh, cybersecurity, another major area where people are very focused. They have to compete with the tech companies. So there's a lot of demand for tech workers. The, the real shock, <clears throat> excuse me, the real shock in that report was how in the world the economy managed to match up over 500,000 workers with job openings, 11 million plus job openings, when there are so few people left to be hired. I expected uh, jobs to slow down and slow down significantly because firms would have difficulty finding workers to hire. Yeah. And so uh, I, I'm shocked by that number. And what it tells me is that demand is very strong for labor and that's likely to create some upward pressure on labor costs, which is the key to inflation. Yeah, that's what I was talking. I know that a lot of people in the market were kind of like, we saw it. If you if you wanted a spike, maybe lay off some workers. It seemed like it for a little bit there. And I didn't understand that. It was a little bit confusing to me because to me, that shows more and more that the growth outlook looking forward doesn't look that great. And also I think about it, I know when I fire, let's say, uh, somebody at, let's say, 200000 am I really going to be able to hire the next guy for 180 More than likely, it might be 220 to hire the next guy. Yeah, well, that's the – look, 
if you can't hire and you can't hire that, you shouldn't be able to hire that easily because there are so few people who are unemployed, right? The unemployment pool is about five and a half million. The number of job openings is over 11. And you got to think about this not only in terms of sheer numbers, you got to think of it in terms of geography, skill set, uh, all of these other variables that impinge on whether or not a firm can match up with an unemployed worker. And that's hard to do. And the fewer there are who are unemployed, the harder the matchup becomes. So there has to be a significant slowdown in hiring that's literally immediately ahead. And some people will misinterpret that and think that if we're hiring fewer, the economy is slowing down. Therefore, the Fed's closer to the end of its hiking process. But I worry that it's slowing down because they can't find workers that just aren't enough. And that means more upward pressure on wage rates, which means more upward pressure on inflation, which means the Fed really has a problem. And now the hard question, right? Will inflation get down? to 2% this year. What do you think, Chuck? I think it's a slam dunk that it does not happen. Um, And part of it is I think we're being uh, confused by the data. So Mm -hmm. if you look at the uh, inflation data over the last couple of years and try to understand what actually happened, right? We had a massive shortfall in goods because people were stuck at home buying everything goods in sight to uh, make their homes more comfortable everything from uh, uh, sporting equipment to cooking equipment to pools, putting pools into their backyards, right? Yeah. Demand for goods went through the roof and that could, we couldn't meet the demand. And so prices surged. That was unsustainable. The Fed used the word transitory and they've been mocked for that. And it's not an, a bad word to use, in fact, because the rise in prices were literally unsustainable. Now we're seeing that reverse, but that means that the inflation numbers are getting much, much better because instead of price car prices going up, they're going down. And that comes into the inflation data with a negative number, of course, but that's not sustainable either. So the way to think of it is we went from normally buying a car, let's say MSRP minus 5,000 to MSRP plus 5,000. And now we're working our way back towards MSRP minus 5,000, right? So that causes the surge up and the surge down. Mm -hmm. But the real question is what's happening to MSRP? Yeah. That's continuing to increase. And if labor is becoming scarce, it's going to increase a little faster. And so the underlying trend for inflation, in my judgment, is still a bit too high And I think inflation settles out in the ballpark of 4%, which means the Fed's a long way away from 2%. And they don't know it yet. They suspect it. Uh, Politically, they have to put policy on pause. Um, And so uh, they're going to wait to let the data tell them and also us that more needs to happen. So that's what I think longer term. And we're positioned that way in the markets. So we're still positive on the economy, positive on corporate profits, positive on many stocks, cautious about bonds, bond exposure. We don't want long-term bond exposure. We want short-term bond exposure. Um, And that's how we're playing it. And we have to be nimble because this is all going to change as soon as the inflation number turns less favorable. 
Yeah, I was, I was keeping a close eye on the TLT, and it looks like we're cutting down now a little bit lower uh, towards the 103.38s. And, yeah, we can see that. Um, some people were even starting to consider junk bonds. I don't know if that's going to be the move here. We'll keep an eye out on everything. I definitely want to have you back on, Chuck, and have a little bit a longer conversation on the economy. I have a great time talking to you, so I appreciate you coming on, and we'll definitely have you back. Delighted, Mitch, anytime. Always. Thank you, Chuck. Have a great one. We'll look back into the markets and definitely I, I love the way it's at the markets there. And I think that, you know, he's he's dead on right now, at least short term. The economy just looks resilient. Right. But the Fed's outlook and the inflation outlook, we could be getting to that point where they kind of force the recession. It still hasn't happened because that labor market is resilient as ever. You could see it in the report. Two open jobs for every person that wants one. I mean, that also going to keep those wages higher, wage inflation higher. Where's the inflation going to keep coming down from? And one thing that I notice, oil starting to come back right to the 80s. If oil comes back to the 100, goes back to 120, will we see inflation spike up again? All things to keep in mind, right? We'll have to keep a close eye on the market. And of course, We'll do that for you right here on Benzinga, like always. Let's take a look at the SPY, see where we're at right now. Did we get towards the 408? No, we keep battling in that 408. We'll see if we can come up through that level. I think that's definitely an important level to watch. And if you don't get that 408, will you come back down and cut through 404 by the end of the day? All things to definitely keep in mind. We'll see what happens. It's 1.59. I hope you guys enjoyed all the action in today. This is going to be and and a little bit of sad, a little bit of sad, but this is going to be the the last stock market movers. I'm going to be transitioning a little bit more into more doing the swing trading show that you guys probably caught yesterday. Start swing trading from 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. I'm still going to be doing these expert interviews. So you guys out there that love hearing from the experts and getting the informational edge, which I truly think is true edge, right? Getting it from these experts, the same guys that we see on all the media out there. We want to give you the access to giving them the questions also. So I'm going to be working on a separate style show that gets you these experts. And who knows? It might be actually in the afternoon. So stay tuned. Like always, we always got more for you on Benzinga. And I always want feedback. Because really, I do everything for you guys out there watching right now. I don't do it necessarily because, you know, uh, let's say uh, someone on the team wants me to do things certain ways. No, I always look at the feedback that you guys give us and try to do more of that. We'll keep pushing forward right here on Benzinga. Up next, like always, you guys will have some more action. Keep pushing it. You know, Kenneth. A little dab action for you. I got you, Kenneth. I see you in the chat. We still give you some love, man. I love all you guys that tune in to all the action we do here on Benzinga. Hope you guys have appreciated me doing stock market movers and getting to these experts. We've had some really great shows. And I still remember back when we were on Money Mitch, this show transitioned from Money Mitch at 430s. And I still remember all the opportunities we talked about on there. I mean, we, we talked about Sark. When it was down there towards 11, we talked about different opportunities, like even V Friends. I know that you guys are the biggest NFT fans, but I talked about that NFT before it, what, 10X, 10X. 
That's what it's all about. I want to give back to you guys opportunities, point you in the right direction. And I'm always going to be doing that right here on Benzinga. So you guys smash the thumbs up. Hope you guys appreciated all we do for you guys. And we'll always keep trying to push the levels and bring you back the value. We'll see you next time, team. And hit the like on the way out.